If you would open up in your Bibles, I want to look at a few verses of Scripture this morning. If you would open up to Jeremiah chapter 9. I want to talk to you this morning about knowing God. Amen. Knowing God. We have started a new sermon series on Bible doctrines. We are calling it Back to Basics. Before you go to Jeremiah, go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. My main text is from Jeremiah, but I want to I just read something to you because we're, we're starting this series and we're calling it Back to Basics. It's so critical that the people of God, whether you're new in your faith, whether you're more mature and older to your faith, we never get over the basics, amen? We never uh, graduate and, and not need to familiar, familiarize ourselves with the basics. But Acts chapter 2 uh, just shows us something. Now, this is, this is the day of Pentecost. This is Peter, the apostle, filled with the Holy Spirit, preaching a sermon to uh, a group of people that really have, have rejected Christ, that have turned uh, away from the ways of God. But his sermon was so powerful, so anointed, that the Bible says that they were moved with conviction. And they said, what, what, what shall we do? What must we do? And Peter said this, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. And then it goes down to verse 40, to born again, just coming to faith in Jesus Christ. It says in verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. The Bible says they continued steadfastly. That doesn't sound like once in a while. That doesn't sound like when it's convenient. That doesn't sound like when it's easy. But it, it talks about a, a steadfastness, um, a continuance in the gospel. What does it say in the apostles' doctrine? What is doctrine? It is basically the teaching of our belief system. What we believe. This past week in staff, we were talking about a young, a young man going off to college and they were going to get involved in a campus ministry and that's a good thing. When you go off to college, it's a critical time in your life because you're going to be exposed to so many world religions, so many ideologies and philosophies of man, and you're going to be taught sometimes, many times, uh, most times, I could probably say, by professors that do not have a biblical worldview. So it's important whether you're in going into a college, uh, wherever you are, that you stay connected um, to Christians and to the Word of God. And so this young person uh, was, was hooking up and connecting with a campus ministry. That's a good thing, amen? But you know what? We don't just ministry or a Christian campus ministry. We don't take it for granted just because it's a, called a church or a Christian church. We need to know what the church believes. So what do we do? We did some research. We want to find out what is their statement of faith. What is their beliefs? What are their beliefs? What do they believe about the Bible? What do they believe about God? What do they believe about Jesus? What do they believe about uh, ministry? And, and the whole thing, and, and ministries and churches usually will have a page on their website, what we believe. Why is that important? Why is that critical? Because what you will act, you will live your life according to what you believe. 
Well, let me say that again because a lot of people believe a lot of things. It's not really what you say you believe. It's what you truly believe. So you will act out your life by what you truly believe. So I, we could actually look at somebody's life and we can know their doctrine. Hello? It's not just what you profess to believe. And so, so that's what is, is critical. And that's why I'm uh, excited about this, passionate about it. We have an emerging leaders class on Tuesday night that we have 35 people that are registered. I'm excited about that because they're coming out on another night. They're invested in it. They're reading. They're studying. They're learning. And that's called that's, that's a part of the discipleship process. It's not the, the totality of it, but that's critical that we study, that we learn, because the early church, the Bible says, they continued steadfastly. They got both hands on it, and they wouldn't let go. To what? The apostles' doctrine. To what they were teaching. Can you say amen? amen. It's not just enough to have a label called Christian. We have to go a little deeper. We have to ask, what are your beliefs? What is your statement of faith? Why? Because if you have faulty doctrine, you'll have faulty living. If you have solid doctrine, you'll have solid behavior. Amen? Again, it's not merely what you say you believe, but it's what you truly believe. We all believe exercise is good, right? Hello? <laughs> but, but if we really believe it, we'll do it. <laughs> Some of you are looking at me. Pastor, I didn't come to hear that. I'm under conviction already. And we all believe in healthy eating. The question is, do we really believe it? When you really believe it, you'll do it. Amen. We're all, we're all saying amen, oh me. But God help us. Amen. I believe in healthy eating and I believe in health, good exercise. And, I'm, and my faith is, let's say our faith is growing in those areas. Amen. <laughs> Maybe that's a good way to put it. Our faith is growing, meaning, meaning we're starting to apply what we believe. Come on, I did a few sets of push-ups the other day. <laughs> is that good, Dave? It's a start. Amen. See, here's, here's our, uh, last two weeks ago actually, our first message on our first doctrine was about what we believe about the Bible. And I want to read this again. Here's what we believe about the Bible. The scriptures, both Old and New Testament, are verbally inspired of God and are the revelation of God to man. The infallible, authoritative rule of faith and practice. That's what we believe about the word of God. And that's critical because there are a lot of even churches and a lot of ministries and a lot of people uh, that, that don't take the Bible as God's holy word, authoritative, and the, the, the rule of faith and practice for our life. I don't care what vision you've had. I don't care what word you got from God. I don't care what preacher you heard preach it. If it doesn't line up for the, with this book, it doesn't matter. There was, a, there was a famous preacher back just uh, in, the, in, the, in the 70s and 80s. I used to listen to him. He was, a, he was a phenomenal preacher. He was heading up the Azusa Street Conference on, on, 
on, on revival and on Pentecostalism. I mean, he was a dynamic speaker. His, he, was, he was really, uh, had a large church, 5,000 people. And he believed in the fundamental doctrines. He believed in the word of God. And he was a great preacher. He was a dynamic preacher. He was, he was someone I enjoyed listening to from time to time back in the 80s. But you know what? One day, I don't know what, what processed in his life, I don't know what he went through in his life, but one day he was watching TV. And as he was watching TV, uh, he, he was watching some program that showed the suffering uh, of some children. I don't know if it, was, if it was a famine or if it was a war-torn country. And he saw the suffering and his heart went out to them as our hearts should go out to those that are suffering. Amen. But as he was watching that, he began to cry, and he states later that God spoke to him, that he had a vision, that he had a, a word from God, and God said to him, this is hell. There is no hell. This is a true story. This is a phenomenal, well-known preacher back in the day. And so what, he ended up changing his doctrine, and he began to say, uh, he began to believe in universalism. And what that basically means is that everyone will be saved. Jesus died for the world, so everyone will be saved. Jesus did die for the world, but the Bible says only those who believe will be saved. And so I just read an article recently about him because he's sick and, and there's been some articles on him. And I just read it very recent um, that he, he even said, you know what? He says, this Bible is not infallible. We've been sold a false bill of goods. God have mercy. That's just one example among many that have come out and have, have changed their doctrine to either suit their lifestyle or to suit what they believe is right, and they've turned away from orthodoxy. They've turned away from right correct doctrine and this is a critical issue because we could have dreams we could have visions we can get inspired but we always have to measure every dream every vision every word to the word of God John said test the spirits to see whether they are of God this is so so critical now here we are today, we're at Victory Church on a Sunday morning. God bless you, I'm glad that you're here. I want you to hear the word of God, I want you to believe what I say, but I also want you to test every word or every message by the word of God. Amen. What we preach and what we teach here at Victory must line up with the word of God. How do you know if it lines up with the word? You check it out for yourselves. You see, there are a lot of gullible people. There are a lot of people who watch a lot of videos on YouTube and see a lot of clips on Facebook and social media, and they just take everything that they hear for gospel truth. That is not right. We need to be discerning. There needs to be discernment. Why? And, and, and this might sound overly simplistic or it might, might sound redundant, but there are a lot of people being deceived and being carried about by many winds of doctrine, and they are just falling for anything today. You need to know. And I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 17. Hang on. I'm going to I'm get to Jeremiah 9. Acts 17. See, you need to search the scriptures. You need to check it out for yourself. I want a church that is Bible, that is strong in the word. Yes. 
that knows the word, that, that doesn't just take everything for face value, but they search it out. Acts chapter 17, the Bible says that the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. This was a city. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue, and they were and, and into the synagogue of the Jews. These, look at verse 11, these were more fair-minded. Another translation says they were noble. They were more noble than those who were in Thessalonica. What, what, why would the writer of Holy Scripture say that? In what way were they fair-minded or noble? It says they received the word with all readiness and searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So what made them different? What made them remarkable that the Scriptures would, 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 would call them out? was that they received the word with all readiness. They, they sat on the edge of their seat with an anticipation, with a, an openness, with a readiness to receive the word. But they didn't just take it for face value, even though it was Paul the apostle. You know what they did? They searched the scriptures themselves. He's preaching, I'm searching. He's preaching, I'm lining it up with the word. He's sharing dot, the scripture, I'm comparing it with scripture. Amen? Amen? That we use our minds. God gave us a mind and we are called to use our minds and my, our minds will expand. You know what's so awesome about the grace of God and the mercy of God and the word of God? It doesn't matter where you're at education-wise or IQ-wise. God, the Bible says God makes the simple wise through his word, through the word of God. Can you say amen? You see, this morning, if you were going to make a big financial decision, if there was going to be a transaction, you know what you're called to do? You're called to read the fine print, right? You don't just sign something. Well, he's a Christian, and he told me to sign it, yeah? Oh, my goodness, I can tell you stories of Christians that sold things, and oh, he's a Christian mechanic, yes? And so what, what does that mean? He just has a title? Uh, he's a Christian this, he's a Christian that. The life has to back it up, amen? You still have to, don't be gullible and sign a contract just because he's a Christian. Read the fine print. What does that have to do with the Bible? Everything. Everything. Look into it. Don't move forward until you know. Why is it important? Because you make decisions in life that could affect your life. But when you're talking about God and his word, you are making decisions that will affect your eternal destiny. The most important thing is about what you know and believe about God, his word, and eternity. Can you say amen? amen? Now I want you to turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 9. We're going to finally get there. Everyone said amen. amen. Jeremiah, we're talking about God this morning, right? We're talking about this is the second fundamental truth. Can we put that up? Can we put that second fundamental truth up? This is what we believe about God. The next one, please. We believe the one true God has revealed himself as the eternal, eternally self-existent I am, the creator of heaven and earth and the redeemer of mankind. He has further revealed himself as embodying the principles of relationship, association as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot there. That's why you need to, well, it's too late but to be taking my class you got to dig a little deeper. We do have a few books if you'd like to buy them and read them on your own. They really get into the theology of this. But we believe that the one true God has revealed himself. 
Listen, if there is a God who is infinite, if there is a God who is eternal, if there is a God who is a creator of the heavens and the earth, for us to know him, God, he must take the initiative. If we ought to know this God, we are not able to attain to that knowledge without him taking the first step. And God did that. God did that by giving us his word. This is the revelation of who God is and of his love for mankind and of the way to redemption. Without this book, now the Bible does say in Psalm 19 that the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens reveal the glory of God. In other words, the creation of God points to a creator. But that is not enough for salvation. That is only the elementary. That is the first step. God had to go out of his way to reveal himself, and he has done it in a book called the Bible. Can you say amen? amen. The Bible shows us that what God has gone through, extraordinary lengths to make himself known. In the scriptures, we see that God has invaded the human situation and has acted to redeem us and to offer a way of salvation. Isn't it amazing how awesome God is, how complex he is, how great he is, yet he has made himself knowable. He has made himself knowable to us. I know I said go to Jeremiah. Go back, go to Hebrews. <laughs> I just have so many good scriptures. I don't want to leave them out. I promise you, we're going to get to Jeremiah. It might be after lunch, but we'll get there. Making up for last week. Hebrews chapter 1. God who at various times and in different ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Here we have the word of God letting us know that God has spoken in times past, the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi. He spoke through the prophets, and we thank God for the Old Testament. We need to read it. We need to understand it. We need to grow in our knowledge of it. But the Bible says in these last times, these are the times we're living, God has spoken to us through his Son, he sent his son to give the fullest and the complete revelation of himself. Amen. The question I have for you this morning as we try to bring this together, what is the ultimate, ultimate pursuit in life? Is it money? Again, I'm not going to ask you what you believe, but what you truly believe. Is it fame? Is it the five minutes of fame on social media? Is it beauty? Is it influencer status? Success, we all want to be successful, whether it's in life and ministry and 
whatever career or field we're in. We want to have degrees. Celebrity, material possessions. The ultimate pursuit for you and I is to know God. All other pursuits really without God are dead ends. They're unfulfilling. They're unsatisfying. They're empty promises. Jeremiah, now we go to, we go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah the prophet prophesied about 2,600 years ago, about 600 or so years before Jesus. And he was called a weeping prophet. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. He said in one of the passages, Oh, that my head was like a fountain, that I can just pour out my tears. He had such a brokenness because he saw God's people turning away from the covenant, from, from the promises, from, from God himself in turning to idolatry. And he knew that that was a dead end. He knew that that was going to bring emptiness. And he knew that if the people continued in that way, it was going to bring judgment. And he came and he preached to them. They were backslidden. They were, they were turning. And, and so Jeremiah is weeping. He's lamenting. We talked about that word in the book of Psalms, the Psalms of lament. He was broken and he was weeping and lamenting over the conditions of the nation. And he was preaching, but they were not turning to God. You know what they were doing? They were turning to their own pursuits. We see in our world today, judgment is, is at the door. It seems things are spiraling out of control. It seems like we live in a world of chaos and we, we see the signs of the times and we see the signs of the coming of Jesus and yet people are still pursuing their own desires. Even Christians, we could be guilty of that. Here were God's people. They were the chosen nation. They had the temple. But all that by their, although they had all the outward things of religion and, and, and spirituality, their words, their actions, their attitudes contradicted it. Look at verse 3 of chapter 9. Verse 3 says, it says they proceed, the halfway down the verse 3, they proceed from evil to evil and they do not know me, says the Lord. They do not know me. These were God's people who did know him at one time or professed to know them. But he says, you know what? He says, they don't know me by their actions. You know what it says in Titus chapter 1? You don't have to go there. I'll, I'll quote it for you. This is New Testament. They profess to know God, but their works, they deny them, deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. This is Paul in the New Testament talking of, of, of Christians. It says they profess to know him, but their words and their actions deny him. What a challenge that is, that we examine our hearts regularly, that, that our words and our actions line up. And when our words and our actions don't line up, what do we do? We repent. Amen? We change. We, we say, okay, God, my, my words, my actions need to line up with your word. I change. In, Jer in Jeremiah 9, verses 23 and 24, here's the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Yeah. 
Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Let me just stop there. Isn't that a picture of our world and our culture? Those are the things mankind glories in. Might, beauty, having a six-pack, having, having, you know, a, a beautiful physique, a beautiful body, uh, riches, wisdom, having all degrees. If you would ask people that are going into college, what do they want to have? They want to have more money. They want to have an education. They want to have all these things. And, and see, it wasn't wrong that, that, that people desired those things. What was wrong, it was desired exclusively or, or instead of God. You see, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. Put God in his rightful place. And any of those other things, when they're refined by the Holy Spirit, when we consecrate them to God, when we surrender them to God, God can use our wisdom. God can use our strength. God can use our money. Hello? When it's sanctified and submitted and surrendered to God, it wasn't that God was against those things. It was that they were exclusive to the exclusion of God. Look at verse 24. Now here's the Lord. He's saying, you know what? They want to boast in those things, but if you want to really glory in something, look at this. Now this ought to get your attention. This ought to wake up some of you that are sleeping. Come on. This is what God says. He says, if anyone glories, let him glory in this. Our, our antennas should go up. Our ears should perk up. We should say, what is it, Lord? If anyone glories, God says this. Let him glory in this, that he understands and knows me. Amen. That we understand and know God. That I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. These, for in these I delight, says the Lord. Man, you ought to highlight those in your Bible. And you ought to say, you know what? Those are good scriptures to memorize today. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the, the mighty man boast in his strength. Let not the rich man boast in his wisdom. But if you're going to boast, if you're going to rejoice, rejoice in this, that you know God. Are you grateful this morning? We're all at different places in our knowledge of God. We're all at different places. You know what's so awesome about the knowledge of God? The more you learn, it inspires you to want to know more. Amen. Even if you don't know much, you could always, you could just take those steps of faith and God will help you. You say, well, I don't have a good mind to memorize. Um, it's funny, you know all the channels on TV without even... We, do, we can learn what we want to learn, amen? But even if you know a lot, you think you know a lot, there's still so much. I love the saying someone once said that the Bible, the Bible is so deep that a theologian cannot get to the bottom of it. But it's shallow enough for even a child that they won't drown in it. And you see, God's word is so rich and so wide and so deep. It's a lifelong journey. That's why Paul the Apostle would say after 30-something years, Paul the Apostle, visions, he had visions of God. He, he was raptured up into heaven. The Bible says, he, I saw things that were I can't even express. It's funny, people have all these visions and they, they can write everything down and tell about heaven, but that's another story. Some of them I'm sure are genuine, but he couldn't even express what he saw. 
He said it was inexpressible. I, I couldn't even describe it. It was otherworldly. But Paul, even though he had revelation, even though he wrote maybe half the New Testament, you know what he said in Philippians? He said, I want to know him. He says, what things were gained to me? This is uh, Philippians chapter 3 when, when Paul was, was contending with those who didn't think he had credentials. He says, you think you have credentials? I got credentials. Imagine Paul had to defend himself. He says, you got credentials? He said, he said, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He said, I was trained under Gamaliel. He said, I went to the best school. He said, I, I, I memorized the Pentateuch. He says, you, you, how about memorizing Leviticus, Dave? You think Psalms are tough. He said, I, he said, I, I, was, I was a Benjaminite. He gave all his credentials. And then you know what he said? But what things were gained to me? Those I counted loss. I count them as dung. That I may gain Christ. That I might know him in the power of his resurrection. In the fellowship of his suffering. That was his passion. I hope that's your passion today. I hope you desire to know God more than you desire to know about the Kardashians. I hope you desire to know more about God than you know about investing in finances or anything else. But you want to know him. That I might know him. David, the psalmist, said it this way. He said, oh, he said, oh, that I might dwell in the house. This one thing I ask, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of God. You see, we have to have a, make a transition in our understanding that, you know what, it's important that we know God more than anything more than anything that we know him. The Bible says to understand in that verse and to know. Understanding is the insight into the nature of something. What is the insight we're talking about? The living God. What a privilege, think about it, that you and I know God. Please don't, don't be down on yourself or don't, don't feel so insecure. Some of the, you know more than you even realize. Some, I believe everyone here has a nugget of truth, has a, an understanding. Thank God for that. That you know the living God. Know is, is a, a, a knowledge gained by the senses. You know how we gain this? Not by the sense of eye or hearing or touch. By, the, by another sense, the faith sense. That's a kind of knowledge. Do you want to know God this morning? The word of God is so rich. You know, 1 Corinthians 15 says of a church, some of you do not have the knowledge of God. I want to just close with this. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. You know what's so great about the knowledge of God? When you get to know God, you really get to know yourself better. You get to see yourself, not, not um, your Photoshopped version of yourself, not the highlight version on social media. You get to see yourself in the presence of God, and it is not condemning, but it is liber liberating. 
It is life-changing. It is life-altering because when you sense and see God and experience his presence, you sense and feel a love that melts your heart. You sense and feel a glory that changes everything in your life. Amen? Isaiah chapter 6, we have the story of Isaiah the prophet. This is an amazing, amazing portion of scripture. The Bible says in verse 1 of chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died. King Uzziah was a godly king for many years, a long reigning king, 52 years I believe. Had a long reign and Isaiah being a prophet had access into the royal court. He was a personal friend. Isaiah was a good man. He made some mistakes at the end of his life but we can't discount all the great things he did. So he was close. Isaiah was close to Uzziah. Uzziah was a great king. Isaiah had a personal, close connection, relationship with him. And the Bible says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. It seems that, that, that Isaiah is, is, is going through a difficult time, a time of grief, a time of a time of struggling. So what does he do? He does what you and I should do. He went into the house of God. He went into the presence of God. He was grieving. He was mourning. He was dealing with something. But he decided, you know what? I'm going to go into the house of God. I'm going to connect with God. I need to meet with my maker. I need to fellowship with God. And it says that he, when he did that, he said, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple, and above it stood seraphim. These are, these are special created angels that, that are perfection and, and completeness and totality, worshiping before the throne of God. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face because they couldn't see into the glory of God. Even perfect beings couldn't fully grasp the, the, glorify, the glory of the nature of God. With two, they flew, and with two, they covered their feet. The covering of the feet meant humility. They, they, they covered any part of them that, that, that in any way would, would, would not be sanctified or, or holy in God's presence. They just humbled themselves. And the Bible says, they called to one another and said, Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. See, Isaiah, at a difficult time in his life, went into the presence of God, went into the temple and, and had a glimpse of the glory of God. He saw the Lord high and lifted up. He gets an eye-opening, soul-transforming, life-altering vision. And in verse 5, he says this, Woe is me, for I'm undone. You see, when he got the glimpse of God's glory, he saw himself in relationship. Even though he was a prophet, even though in chapters 1 to 5, he was pronouncing woe on others who were disobedient and he was fulfilling his prophetic ministry. Now he's in the presence of God and he says, woe is me. Woe is me. You see, this encounter with God led to a self-revelation. He realized God was holy and he wasn't. He realized God was perfect and he wasn't. He realized God was patient and he wasn't. Some of us have to come to the place and realize God is God and we're not. We want to control situations. We want to control circumstances. We want to control people. Some of us need to resign from the, the position of being God. 
See, he saw the truth about himself, that he needed to change, that he needed to repent, that he needed the grace of God. And see, we need more of God's glory in our church. We need more of God's glory in our worship, in our preaching, in our prayer, because when we have more of the glory of God, we begin to see ourselves as for really who we are. And you know what it does? It causes us to say, woe is me. But the good news is God does not leave us there. God didn't condemn him. You know what God did? God sent an angel with a coal of fire symbolizing the cleansing and the changing of Isaiah. And when we come into the presence of God, we see our need. We, are, we see our, our undoneness, if you will, and God comes to us. He doesn't leave us there. See, God doesn't condemn us to cast us out. He, he convicts us to bring change because he loves us. And the Bible says that one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal which he had taken from, from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold. This has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. You see, Isaiah had an upward vision of God. Then he had an inward vision of his own lack. But then once God dealt with that, he had an outward vision. You see, when we're too focused on ourselves, we fail to see the needs of other people. And he had an outward vision. And he said, God, here am I. Send me. I'm just going to ask the worship team to come back as we just bring this to a close. Hallelujah. That I might know him. Is that your passion? Is that your desire? I hope in some small way that I have inspired you, that the word of God has spoken to you to stir up a desire to know him more. And you see, this type of knowledge does not lead to pride, but it leads to a greater sense of humility and a greater sense and a greater desire for all of God's people to know him. Would you stand together with me this morning? The Bible says, let them glory in this. We can, we can rejoice today. We can glory. We can boast that we know God today. Amen? That's not a simple thing. That's not a small thing. You know what Jesus said to his disciples? He says, blessed are you. Blessed are your eyes for the things that they see. Because kings and prophets and others have desired to see what you see. Jesus was talking about the new covenant. He was talking about the new way that God made through Christ into the presence of God. Today, we can rejoice that we know him. But we could also pray and say, God, I want to know you more. Paul said, I want to know him in the fellowship of his suffering and in the power of his resurrection. I don't know about you, but I've been in seasons in my life where I've been enjoying the fellowship or the, or the power of his resurrection, but I didn't like that part that says the fellowship of his suffering. I'm saying, I'm enjoying this. I don't know if I want that. But I've also been seasons in my life when I've been experiencing the fellowship of his suffering that I'm saying, okay, God, it's time for a resurrection. And I don't know where you are at this morning, but you know what? When you walk with God, 
God is faithful and there's a process and there's a season. There's a season in every one of our lives that we go through. Different seasons. But you know what? It's the, the bottom line is God's desire to reveal himself to us. That we get to know him. Do you know one of the ways, and I close with this, one of the ways that God makes himself known, as we see in the scriptures, he makes himself known by the declaration of his word, of his name, of his name. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Shema. In each one of those words, or those names, are a revelation of God's character. But you know what I've learned in the scriptures? That God has revealed and given a greater knowledge of himself in a trial, in a need, in a place of barrenness. Jehovah Jireh is when Abraham was going to offer Isaac on the altar in obedience to God. And you know what? He says, you know what? God's going to prepare. God's going to provide. But that was a trial. He was, he was having to surrender something to God. But he said to his son, you know what? The Lord will provide. And what happened? There was a ram caught in the thicket, and, and God revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Rapha is when we need a healing. When we're sick, he comes and reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. So this morning, whatever you're going through, there's a revelation of the character of God. And the reality of it is, we don't like to hear this, but many times God reveals himself in the difficult places of life. In other words, we get to know God when it's not so easy. We wish we could learn about it just in a textbook in a classroom, but many times it's in the fiery trials of life that God reveals himself in a greater way. So I want you to hold on. I want you to stick with it. I want you to press in this morning. I want you to say, God, I want to know you, even in my difficulty. I'm lacking, God. I, I, I have a need, but you're Jehovah Jireh. Lord, my mind is troubled. God, I'm, 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 I feel oppressed. I feel depressed. I feel tormented in my mind. But God, you are, you are Jehovah Shalom. You're my peace. I want to experience you. I want to know you as, as Jehovah Shalom. Lord, I'm in a battle. God, it's out. I want to believe you. Jehovah Nissi, you're my banner. You're my, you're my rallying point. You're my strength. I want to pray and I want to just close and take just a few moments to pray around these altars and maybe somebody's going to get a revelation of the character of God. They're going to get to know God better and deeper and wider because of what, they go, what you're going through, God. They know, you know what they're going through. Father, right now I just pray in the name of Jesus, touch the hearts of people. Father God, I pray for greater understanding, greater revelation of you. God, reveal yourself in these next few moments. Let the word of God be confirmed to the heart of each and every one. Let it produce a faith that reaches out and apprehends that for which, God, you desire. We thank you and pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. If you have to leave, please do so quietly. But we're going to sing. Come seek the Lord for a few moments. Get to know God in a better way. Amen.